need, understand, utilize. We want more than anything to be users of your word, doers of your word, not just hearers. We don't want to just be able to quote scripture or sound knowledgeable, but we want to have the fruit of God in our lives. We thank you. There is a big difference, and we want to make a difference in everywhere that we go. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So last month we started speaking on the gates of hell, and I thought we'd continue with that. Amen. Because, amen. 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 Um, We were talking about the purpose of gates of a city and uh, talking about what kinds of activities went on at the gates of the city. We said that a gate was not just a place of entry where you would enter, so a gate would either be opened or closed to you, but also that gates had certain functions. There were certain things that certain kinds of business that was conducted at the gates of a city. When we talk about the scripture that tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, we certainly are not talking about physical gates. We are talking about gates and what they represent. So we're going to talk more about the activities around the gates and particularly the gates of hell so that we can all get a good clear understanding of what we are up against when we talk about prevailing over and against these things. So if they will not prevail against us that means that we must prevail against them. And so we talked about certain things that were typical of gates. Number one, a gate is a seat of authority or government in a city. We talk about the county seat, or in that word is not just a phrase somebody thought up out of nowhere, but that, that there is an entity seated there that governs. And we know that the God of this world, Satan, has spiritual forces, demons, and in their cohorts and lesser demons and so forth, demonic entities, fallen angels, positioned because he does have a level of government here on this earth. He is the God of this world, having deceived the man or deceived the woman who and the man went along with it into the transgression. And so he was able to usurp lordship to a degree from us but then we have lordship back through Jesus Christ so just as the devil came in the back door to steal us God was opening a front door of escape for us through the blood of Jesus amen Amen. and so when you are blood bought you have authority over hell and all of its devices and the Bible says that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers And made an open show of them. Now an open show. You you all remember when Joshua. And uh, after they had fought at Ai. Joshua had to fight some other (coughs) towns. Some other enemies represented by different cities. And it happened that the uh, Gibeonites had tricked Israel. Into making a covenant with them. And when. When. And. 
Israel was drawn into a, a fight that wouldn't, would have been their fight anyway, but it wasn't on the terms that they probably would have liked. Because Gibeon then, when they, they were in league with Israel, put themselves against all the other cities that Israel was to fight. But we don't know, but God may have had a strategy to pick them off one by one, a different strategy. See, sometimes your company, your friends, and your companions can get you into a trouble you had no business getting into. Got me? You'll wind up fighting on their terms and not on your own. Now, God will fight for you if you know how to get that right and get back under the blood and get in covenant with God again to activate your covenant so that your protection's there. He will do that for you. But God would rather for your sake. It's better for you to fight the enemies in the progression that God has designed for you rather than you have to get involved in something where you're almost overwhelmed and then God have to pluck you out. You don't learn much from that. Amen. You got me? And so God wants his people to learn how to war. He wants us to study war and learn war. And so if you study it and learn it, you can devise your own strategies in God and you can have victories, safe victories, complete victories. The enemy will never triumph over you if you're doing this thing the right way in God. You'll just speak from a realm of authority and he never has an advantage over you whatsoever. Amen? Amen. So when you, so the Gibeonites, uh, when Israel had to fight with them, they found themselves facing all of these enemies at one time. Which was not their chosen way of fighting. But they did call on God and God told them that they would prevail. And once they prevailed, uh, Joshua made an open show of all of these kings of the cities that were against them. And what he did was he brought the young men out who had never fought. These were kids. And Joshua made them put their foot on the neck of the enemy to show the younger generation that the enemy was not to be feared by them. This is important because you teach your children the word. You teach them not to pal around with the wrong kinds of friends. You teach them not to back down from serving God and worshiping God. You teach them to be bold in their position and the gates of hell will not prevail against them either. See, they're not too young to know that there's a devil. They're not too young because the devil's telling them things every day that you don't even know that they know. Huh? That's one of his strategies. And so we have to understand that when we when Jesus made an open show, it was the same thing that Joshua he made an open show. And come here, baby. He had a kid like her age come and do this step on the devil's neck. Do it. There you go. And grind it real hard. That's his neck under there. And see, that's right. Amen. Praise God. So that he's not to be feared. That's <laughs> like she did that before, huh? <laughs> well, the first time she done that. Praise the Lord. But see, they're not too young for you to take that fear out of them. Amen. They're not too young 
for you to for them to be used accurately by God. Just give them the word, teach them how to divide the word, and when it, the time comes, God will put that anointing on them and authority and power over them. So that's what the open show was about. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What more troubles us? You see, he's got it all. And he took those keys, but he gave us keys to the kingdom. Not to death, hell, and the grave. We don't need that. We're after life. So there's life in the kingdom, but he wants us to know that death, hell, and the grave cannot prevail against us as we pursue life. So as you go out and you pursue the things that God has for you, death, hell, and the grave are held back by him. All you have to do is use his word to put it in its proper place. Because these things will loom up against us. Satan is the God of this world. He has a right to try and spook somebody, I guess. So as a church, we have to be wise enough to know our role so that these things will not prevail against us. They may come against us. They may make a charge against us. They may try and pull us away from what God's appointed to us, but they will not prevail. You know what prevail means? That means that they will not have the final word, the final answer, the final power. They won't be able to hold your loved ones forever. They won't be able to hold pro- promotion from you forever. They won't be able to hold provision. They will not prevail. Now they may steal and try to hold it and try to tell you you can't have it. But they will not prevail if you will rise up as a church and use the keys. You begin to bind their words. One way you bind them is you don't repeat them yourself. So we're going to talk about that today because we began talking about the words that are spoken at the gate of a city. We said that the gate of the city was a place of judgment. It was a seat of authority to govern. So where there's government, there's judgment. And at the gates of a city, cases were heard. If your neighbor stole your cow, you came to the judges at the gate of the city and you brought evidence. You know what kind of evidence you might have? You could have two or three witnesses. That was the best you could do back then. But you had to have Uncle Bunk and Uncle Charlie that saw him take that. And then you got to see that the, the cow is over somewhere in his property. And so you bring your evidence to the judges and your case is heard. Now at the gates of hell, cases the cases that are heard are both real and false. They are imaginary cases and they are real cases. For instance, if you decide you want to live a promiscuous life and you're judged as being guilty of, of fornication and sin that judgment can lead you to get a sexually transmitted disease that judgment's levied against you and that judgment holds so if you're guilty of that and you know you've done wrong that judgment will fall upon you we see it every day as people walk around with AIDS there's people walking around with all kinds of disease now because the gates of hell have judged them guilty of such and prevailed because of God's word because God's word judges sin and then the enemy that puts things over into the enemy's hands to carry out the penalty 
of sin. Now listen. God don't have no aids to give nobody. You got me? If God's involved in it, it's because it is written already. The wages of sin is... And so the author of death can carry it out. You got me? Now what can stop that? The church. The church with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. This is why you pray for people like that. This is why you intercede. This is why you lead them to Christ. This is why because you take your keys and unlock the door of hell's judgment against them. And they can receive the mercy of God and be forgiven and be healed. You got me? So when the gates of hell renders judgment, that judgment can be a valid judgment. But it can also be a false accusation. Because if you are blood bought and you led a promiscuous life and say 10 years of promiscuity and then you meet Jesus, then your sins are forgiven. And if the gates of hell try to put AIDS on you, you can refuse it because of what he's done for you. See? So in your case, it's a false act. That's why the Bible says the accuser of the brethren is cast down. His words are not powerful against us anymore. If you're blood bought and you're obedient to God and you live in the tenets of your covenant, then he, has, he, has, he can lay no charge to God's elect. You got me? He cannot lay a charge to you. And so when, when we talk about these things, these are our devices at the gates of hell. The Bible talks about the concourse. C-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-E. This word concourse means gathering together. So at the city gates, there was always talk. Concourse, a buzz, things being said. And this is how it went. <clears throat> uh, brother, brother Paul had an ox and Brother Ralph killed him. And Brother Paul came and, and brought two witnesses and they made a judgment in Brother Paul's favor. And so he had to return his ox and then some too. You always have to make restitution add two. You just can't give back an even once you've broken the law. That were true. People be stealing all the time. Yes. We call it borrowing. Sometimes it's borrowing. Sometimes it ain't. You know what I'm saying? But after the judgment is rendered, then the concourse starts. The people who are standing by begin to share. Did you hear what happened to Brother Paul today? Oh, he got he got his ox stone brothers he stole his ox and you know they gave him seventeen oxes and they, oh really? Yeah. And so that's how the word got spread about the judgments that were being made at the gate of the city. You didn't need a newspaper. You had people you had nosy people who knew everything and would talk. They talk in the Bible about idle women who don't keep themselves busy their busy bodies running from house to house spreading gossip and this is part of the concourse at the gates it's talking about what's going on in the judgment seat now say for instance you used to sleep around before you found the Lord and you slip up and you do it again then the the accuser of the brethren has 
a word against you at the gates. He will levy an accusation. Well, I told you she wasn't saved. Look at how she's acting now. Look at, look at that. I told you she was no good. And then the concourse starts. See, it starts a buzz. Huh? You're no good. Look at you. You're not saved. Oh, you going to still try to go to church like that? Everybody knows it. They don't, they don't want to be around you. They don't like you. See, this is the concourse. Huh? It's a discussion that goes on about human souls at the gates of hell. And it's always going on. Always. Some of it's false. Some of it's true. Some of it's true for a minute and then false when you repent. You got me? That's why it's good not to carry on this kind of stuff in your head. It's good to not gossip about people what you think you know about them. It's good not. Why? Because you have really, what you have done in not knowing it, you think you know something. But what you've done is you've entered into a conversation that's already going on at the gates of hell. That's not something you made up yourself. That's something that came to you second hand from the accusers and the ones who sit by. Remember the devil came up to God and he says, I've been walking to and fro on the face of the earth. Huh? Well, he's looking for people he can devour. And how does he devour? He devours them through your own faith and lack of it. He'll catch people that, that don't know how to contain themselves. And he'll start telling them, well, you might as well go ahead and do it. You're doing it. Did it one time. You might as well go on back into it. You go right back into the old life again. Huh? You didn't decide that on your own. The, the people, the voices at the gates talking back and forth. Look at you. Sitting up there trying to worship. Don't put your hands up. You're not holy. Why are you trying to act holy? You know, look at what you did. Huh? Look at what you do. Look at how you carry yourself. Don't wear that. You can't wear that to church. Who you think? Well, you might as well go and wear it anyway. They don't think much of you. You got me? See, after you're saved, your mind will tell things that your mind never told you before you knew the Lord. Huh? How do you get those ideas? Huh? How do you get those ideas? The devil will find you in a place where he can connect you with a spirit who can feed you that kind of information. Now, if you understand the power of the blood, now, devil, my sins are forgiven. I don't care what I did. Yeah, you you saw that? I'm going to show you something else. You keep watching because I'm subject to do it again. Huh? Not intentionally, but I'm a weak human being and God knows I'm just dust. I'm subject to fail again. So just keep watching. But then watch me repent. And watch me get blood washed. And watch me get clean again. And watch my righteousness. And watch me work for God again. You got me? Now see, a lot of people can't do this because they listen to that garbage. Huh? But the devil will do something like this to you. He'll get you into sin. He'll let you fall and sin. And then you sit there. Problem. You got me? That's your mistake number one is sitting there. What you do is you get up and you take a blood bath. Huh? You wash yourself clean. Start worshiping God. 
thank God for the blood. Say, God, please help me the next time. I don't like living like this, but please help me the next time not to do this again. Just show me because I know there's a way to get over it. Your blood is too strong to let me be a failure all of my life at my Christianity. But what people do is sit. And while you sit, there are spirits that will come and want to keep you company. Huh? Self-pity. Now you know God understands. Hmm? Oh, them people in that church, they all a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Ain't none of them living right. Huh? Chuck, she was a whippersnapper for you. She just got saved, really, if you want to know the history of the thing. You got me? Concourse at the gates. You're picking up bits of conversation that the gates of hell produce to convince you, number one, that the blood of Jesus is not effective against your sin. That's number one. The, the, the devil always wants to discredit that, that act at Calvary. Know why he wants to discredit it? Because he minimized it when it was going on. He said, Dag, do you mean they fooled me? He got all these people out of hell on that thing up there? Huh? He was most distressed when he looked up and found Jesus got up. He couldn't just kill him and leave him in hell. He was very distressed when he saw he got up out of hell. And even more distressed when he took everything from him and dragged him through the streets of hell, making an open show of him. He's very upset about that. And so he keeps this conversation going on between his imps and demons to see which ones he can get in your life to get under your skin. Anger. Anybody got anger problems? You need to take it to the cross, please. Because an angry spirit will open up the door to spirits of of. Uh, all kinds of negative, hurtful spirits. See? You're angry, you'll think of all kinds of things to do to somebody that made you mad. And you'll stop and think to yourself, I can't be thinking, I'm a Christian, how could I come, I didn't even come up with stuff like this one before I was saved. You know how you did it? You didn't do it. You tapped in that spirit of anger that sat on you and made you receive it. Instead of you saying, God, listen, the word says be angry and sin not. I'm mad at so-and-so again. You got me? They done got me again. But, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them by faith. I don't want to forgive them. I don't feel real loving and squishy toward them. But I forgive them anyway. You got me? And let the blood of Jesus, let God begin to work to restore your soul to its normal way of living, you know, the joy in your soul and the peace and all that kind of stuff. Get your soul healthy again. But if you stay in anger, that angry spirit will bring some more. Come on, y'all. Come on, murder. Let's talk to her. Come on. Come on, death. Let's talk to her. Huh? Come on, more anger. Let's talk to her. Conspiracy. Let's talk to her. Huh? Retaliation. Let's, you know, we can, we can wait for them to come home and, you know, we go get our boys and see, huh? Huh? Amen. How do you think people do some of the things that they do? Huh? They suffer in this hell most of the time thinking things that are not normal thoughts. And some people will even get off on an insanity plea because the devil has so taken over their minds that they don't even think normal anymore. 
and they don't know the way to repentance. They don't know the way to salvation. They don't know that you can pray and that God can come and wash that out of you and help you to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. They don't understand that. So the concourse at the gates is something you have to be aware of. You have to know that you are not crazy enough to do these things to yourself. But you have taken the luxury of allowing a spirit that is not clean and not of God to lodge into your soul long enough to open you up to their conversation. So the concourse at the gates is something you have to be very, very much aware of. A lot of the things that you see going on in society that are just crazy, stupid, and wrong are the result of this kind of activity. For instance, you'll find in the women's movement, you know, now everybody, you know, is do your own thing, you know, and I, I want a career, I want this, I want that. Everybody wants everything. We've all wanted it forever. Now the devil's bold enough to tell you you can say it. And demand it. And expect that life hand it to you out of nowhere. Huh? Listen, women have been working for as long as I, I've been here. We've been working way long before. Had it not been from some, for some women stepping out and doing necessary things, we wouldn't have medical advancements we have now. We wouldn't have health care the way we have as advanced as we have now. Men would, would operate on, on people and, and cause infection. They'd die and ask a woman to help. You know, after you cut them open and they're all left there bleeding, of course, you ask a woman to sit there and nurse them and take care of them. Well, that's how the profession of nursing started. And it started with women coming up with standards. They'd observe the wounds and see what made them better and what didn't make them better. And they developed the technology and they developed the knowledge for how to get people from from sick to well. So women have been working forever. But what women did in the past was that they put their families first, raised a family first, and worked with the spouse to make sure the family was taken care of before they left to go out to work. Now, Pastor Shirley and I, we old school, we'll tell you, we call each other, you got your work done yet? Let's go so-and-so. No, girl, I got one more. I said, well... I think I can get back in time. I can knock that out real quick before I get discovered, you know. Women don't even think like that anymore. They don't respect their husbands. And they think it's their husband's obligation to do what they want them to do. See, because there can only be one head. It's either the man or the woman. We don't have like a joint thing. You ask many men, even though they're the benefit of the extra paycheck, many of them are not happy because they don't feel that they have much say-so in things. I'm just moving on. You see, the concourse at hell will tell you that that's okay. Huh? It will tell you that that's what I know. I should pause, shouldn't I? Uh-huh. Yeah. Those, those arrogant spirits, masculine spirits, role reversal spirits, effeminate spirits on men and masculine spirits on women. Huh? 
I'm sitting there, I'm trying to watch, you know, it's not many shows I can watch with Rachel because she wants Disney and it just drives me crazy. I just didn't had enough of that. I'm done with Disney. So I said, well, let's watch a, a neutral adult show that we can both watch. Well, I'm watching Say Yes to the Dress. And the bride has a twin sister and her boyfriend or girlfriend. And she's got this butch haircut and sitting up there looking like a man. Well, first thing I tell you, you ain't a man. Now, if you're going to be in this wedding, you are not a man. But you know what? They respect their stupidity. Now, if you don't think that looks stupid... You're born a woman and you got a butch haircut trying to pretend to be a man. Huh? If a real man come in there and challenge you, you'd be laying flat on that floor. And I know it for a fact. Huh? Butch that. Huh? They just ain't really met no real man yet. They just, you know, men just look at them and say it ain't worth the trouble. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> really. This is true. (laughs) But you know, I'm trying to watch Say Yes to the Dress, and here they got this. Baba, is that a man? Or I said, well, we're going to turn, honey, because I ain't got time to figure that one out. We're just going to change channels. I don't even know what to call it. All this role reversal. People try to act like. Everybody's got the same skills, got the same abilities, got the same. Huh? What it's done is it's actually weakened the family. Because you pull strength from both sides. You pull the woman over into a role that's not hers and the man over into one that's not his. So you got a weak family structure there. Selah. Huh? Because the concourse of the gates of hell. Why do you think everybody comes up with the same ideas? Huh? This stuff ain't original. And it's not new. And it's been tried before. And it's failed before. And it's going to fail now. You got kids, nobody knows where they are, who they live with. Parents are trying to, well, you know, I couldn't get along with him. He's, you know, we just couldn't get along, so we went our separate ways. Well, I'm dating now. Yeah. Uh, idiot. Right. Date is something you do when you're a teenager. Right. Huh? Right. You ain't dating. Right. You're looking for somebody to move in right. and share some bills. Right. You shopping. You ain't dating. Yeah. Huh? Amen. <laughs> But it's okay. See, because we can't judge in this society. You know, you can't judge. And those Christians, well, they judge everybody. See, they're they're an angry, hostile bunch of people. And so they want to accuse the brethren. They accuse you and work you into a, a life of meaninglessness. Because neglected children are not happy children. Huh? Daycare 
children are not happy. Foster kids aren't happy. You understand? We've got a little bit of a glimpse of how that can backfire with the foster system. And oftentimes they are in two-parent homes. But the natural parent does not take primary care over their own seed. There's something right there. Something's not right there. It really isn't. But yet we live in a society that tells you, it's okay. Oh, children, they're resilient. They bounce back. Is that a child or is that a ball? What are you talking about bouncing something? You bounce no kid. Huh? It's a human being. That's not something that bounces. Huh? God set up the family to nurture. Amen. So that people can feel secure. You know this world is scary out here with two parents in normal situation. Amen. It's hell if you don't have that. Amen. Could you imagine what goes through a child's brain that comes home and nobody's ever there to meet them. Right. They can let themselves in with a key and hope nobody's following them in the house. Right. But yet it's okay because everybody has a right, a right to do this. Look at abortion. Well, you wonder why the prisons are full? Because the people who would be good leaders got aborted. They're not here. So we're left with a lot of people that have no leadership. Because the leadership seed, the firstborn is always given to the Lord. It's always dedicated as the leader of that family. Leader of their strength. You look at families now. You get you get all the kids together. You can tell who the oldest is. Right away you can tell. Because they carry something that the other ones don't carry. So for what, how many years since Roe versus Wade? 40, close to 50 years now? We've been cutting off the firstborn. Huh? What kind of society do you think you're going to have? Hmm? Why do you think the Egyptians were so upset when God killed all their firstborn? They knew that they wouldn't survive very long as a society if that happened. They got more sense than we got. Hmm? Huh? But the concourse at the gates tells you it's okay. So you just keep going down this road. We'll fix that. You don't have to worry about that. We'll fix that. We'll get you daycare. You put your baby in daycare. Hmm? I had a neighbor that they had a printing business. And she was saying that she had she and her husband before their printing business they were traveled around. He worked for a company. She said, you know, my husband just told me. He said, well, if we don't have kids, we better get with it. We're getting old. So you know, they just made the decision. Had the first one, she stayed at home with the second one. His business had started. He needed her help in the business. And she said, I just. She said, I went. I thought about it, and I just went and found a daycare that I thought was nice, and I went and I dropped her the first day. She was six months old, she said, and something grabbed me before I got in my car. She said, and I went right back in and picked her up again. She said, and I just took her to work. I told her, Dad, if she can't stay here, I can't stay here. But we're going to stay here together, and I'm going to raise her like I did my other child. See? Five years of your life not much of a sacrifice. They're in, they're in preschool half a day most of the time at three years. So, you know, this isn't a sacrifice. But see, the concourse at the gates, you can't wait. See? Oh, you wait for what? You can, it's your right. You can do this. You can do anything you want to. You know, you can, you can live your life the way you want to. See, that's the buzz at the gates. 
especially if you think the world owes you something. See, this happens with people who feel like if they don't do this now, they'll never get another chance to do it. And see, we're in an instant society where everything's like that. If you don't do it now, you'll never have a chance to do it. I don't care if you're 20, you're 15, whatever age you are. Everybody's on a fast track to hell and don't know it. They think they're on a fast track to fun. Yeah. And so the gates of hell will always devise and let you in on these conversations that come when you give in to a spirit that's not of God. You give in to a spirit of pride. Well, I want certain things, you know, I'm... You know, I can have these things, and it's okay to want things. But let your wants be ministered at the altar of God. See, let God bring you the things. Oh, well, you know, God doesn't, he doesn't, I don't have to ask God for everything. I can just go to work and get this. Huh? Oh, yeah. See? We have no understanding or nothing of the riches of God and no understanding of how to get it. Now, your flesh might hurt for a minute. You might have to make yourself behave and quit doing certain things. But if you resist that thing and rise up in your spirit, man, God can kind of clear your head open and show you some things. Show you what life is all about. Show you what he gave your family for. Show you what gifts are in your children. Show you what gifts are in your husband. Huh? What gifts are in you. He can show you some stuff. But see, that's the stuff people don't want to know because then they can't go back and hear this easy, fast, easy conversation at the gates to tell them you can have this today and that today. And of course you never get it. Because the devil's not going to give you anything when he don't charge you triple price for it. You got me? He'll charge, And then it won't even work. It'll break down the minute you get it in your house. You got me? So that's a setup that he has for us. But that's what happens when we talk about the gates of hell and the devices and the conversation, the buzz that goes on. Many times people will say things about Christians. You know, look at, what kind of Christian are you? They watch you. You get in the workplace and you make a slip. Somebody will say, well, I went to church. Did you go to church? Huh? Did you go to church? What church you go to? I've never heard of that before. Huh? What kind of church is that? They begin with the 20 questions. And all of a sudden you're on the list and they'll try to discredit you if they can. And what they'll do is they'll set you up into a situation where you have to be bold. You have to be direct. And you have to be confrontational. And once you do that, then they'll turn on you. What kind of Christian are you? How could you say that to somebody? Christians are supposed to be nice people. Huh? Whenever they want to go somewhere and they want to go drinking. Huh? They'll ask you if you want to go. They'll start cussing and all kinds of stuff to see if they can embarrass you and put you to shame. And so you have to keep your spiritual wits about you because the discussion at the gate is that if we can get you discredited at work, then the people who really need prayer won't be able to come up to you for prayer. 
because then the devil is already messed up a bunch of people there and he knows if you come in there and you stay in your right spiritual mind and you don't let him intimidate you and you don't get scared of him then those people who are there will see God in you and they'll come and seek you out and then they've lost something so they work on the Christian to try and get you over on their side if they can't intimidate you and make you back up and feel embarrassed and ashamed and not say anything not open your mouth not offer to pray for anybody anything like that they'll do that if they can't do that then they'll try to get you over on their side come on go out with us we're not going to we're just going to go for five minutes oh can't you all you can't never go nowhere why don't you get well we're just going over to a friend's house or we're just a bunch of us girls let's go out for lunch huh and they get there and they start talking they get you to say some things that you shouldn't say then the accusation starts well who do you think you are you sat there and you gossip with them people just like you just like them you can't pray for you might as well quit working here nobody's ever going to ask you to pray for them what kind of witness are you huh what kind of witness are you and so the gates of hell are always devising to get you to give in to some of their stuff their spirits that they carry that they can get you get under your skin and get you to listening to them minister to you nonsense and then they can take your mind away with the stuff that they put in there Norval Hayes was was Roberts Laird shares his testimony about Norval Hayes there was a young man that was a Christian and he was going to a Christian college and he was involved with some other kids that weren't Christians and they decided to go streaking across campus and he went streaking with the rest of the boys and kept running when they everybody stopped and was making a joke and having fun about it and you know wanting to see who was watching this guy kept running and they finally found him like an hour later and he was babbling and not in his right mind he had a nervous breakdown from streaking a Christian streaking now don't tell me that somehow he hadn't been worked on uh-huh well this this is this is nothing you mean you're scared to do this this is we're just going to have some fun well you're oh no well we're not going to ask the Christian you don't like to have fun man we'll just go some they start ignoring you pushing you away rejecting you and taunting you and if they can't get you through the taunts and rejections then they'll dare you I dare you to do this with the rest of us just come on you'll be one of us if you you know they want to invite you out but we can't invite you out because you love God you're a Christian you don't like to do this okay I'll do it and that's all the devil needs to hear you say huh? is I'll obey you and so they found him and, and when they found him they had to put him in a mental institution because his mind was gone and his parents thank God for parents who are not judgmental and don't listen to the crap at the gates you got me that listen to God and know how to hear from God and so they knew Norval and they knew Norval had a power to cast out devils they know, knew of his ministry and somebody called and asked if he would go down and pray for this boy well Norval said when he came in he started praying for him and the devil didn't move and he said oh boy this is going to take a little while but he stayed with it 
He commanded that devil to come out of that young man for eight solid hours. How do you do that? Somebody asked him. He said, well, if you're thirsty, you go get a bottle of water and drink a bottle of water. If you have to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. But you come back. What, What makes you come back? You have the keys to the kingdom. You're the only one that can unlock the kingdom again to this kid. The gates of hell won't prevail against the keys of the kingdom and the person that knows how to use them and knows they work. We tried that key. Try it again. Okay, well I got another one. Let's try this one. It's four hours with that one. Let's try this one. And four hours this and they said that the devil just was, was resistant to him and would just look at him. And he said when he finally came out of the young man, he said the young man was standing in the corner on one foot and foam started running out of his mouth. Just oodles of foam. And the devil finally left him. Why? Because there is a man there who understands the church and understands who he is, stays on his side of the line. Doesn't get stupid and cross over to the devil's side of the line on a dare or an intimidation or when he sins and messes up, he lets the devil tell him something. You sin, you go to God. He's the only one who can forgive you. You don't let the devil minister to you when you're wrong. You let God minister to you. So why is this? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? In Nehemiah 6... We have an answer. Somebody go knock on that door, wake those guys up, and tell them it's they got to get in here for the remainder of the word now. So only a half hour left. So <clears throat> Nehemiah six. Now we know the story of Nehemiah. He was uh, he worked for uh, the king of. What is this? Get it right. Or was during the Babylonian captivity of of Judah. And he was given permission. He saw the city of Jerusalem at laid waste and the gates were torn down. He was given letters by the king, given permission to go and rebuild the wall so the people could worship God again. So it's very important to him. And so he he went about in that in that vein so that they could could continue the worship of the Lord in the temple and so there were many plots against him and the work there were enemies that showed themselves at the gate talked to him personally threatened to go to the king report that he was in rebellion against the king which he was not and so Nehemiah made up his mind to stay focused on the work and this is this is the only thing you got to do you have to make up your mind you belong to God. You don't belong to the devil anymore. And no matter what comes against you, you're going to serve God. Amen. You know, that, that just has to be your stand. You can't, you can't get mad and get loose in your life. You can't get impatient and make stupid mistakes. You'll be stuck with them forever. 
you can't get ahead of God. See, let me tell you something what God is. He is God. He is not a cosigner. Many people already have their mind made up what they want to do. And because they're in church, they want God to cosign it. That ain't him. Huh? Amen. Most co-signers are sent by the devil anyway. He wants to mess everybody's credit up. He sends somebody who's not credit worthy to somebody who barely has decent credit so y'all can fall out with each other. Huh? So God's not a co-signer. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have our own inheritance. We don't need God to co-sign anything with us. But see, many times people in their impatience... They want, instead of putting it before God, God, is this the right decision for me? If it's not, I am willing to stand by what you decide. The difference is, if you put that before God like that, you get his blessing on your life. If you make up your own mind, don't give a damn what he thinks about anything and don't care. And you're going to make him co-sign it anyway. You don't get his blessing. He doesn't help you. And you think you're praying and getting answers. You didn't get nothing. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. See, the deceptive devices at the gates of hell will keep you wondering. huh? Why doesn't God bless me? Why does it take me so long to get... Huh? Because you've been deceived. You think he's sanctioned what you're doing, and he's just watching to wait until you confess and come clean and tell him you were wrong when you did that so he can help you. Well, a lot of people don't know what repentance is. Hmm? You acknowledge you're wrong and you endeavor not to do it that way anymore. You get yourself on a different road. You're not looking for God to co-sign everything that you want. Some people have never really paid the price to get the faith to do what they're trying to do in God. They're just doing stuff. And hoping God will co-sign and hoping they'll sneak by and he don't know it's them asking for it this time. I hope they think that's Pastor Shirley asking for that for me because I, you know, I'm... Huh? It's true. Best thing you can do is just come totally clean. God, I told so, so missed you. Yeah. <laughs> so wrong. I know you're not a co-signer. You're the author of my faith. Yeah. You started it. I don't have a clue what I'm doing down here. I'm confused as a, a, a turkey down here trying to find my way. But I'm confessing that I messed up. I did wrong. And I want you from this day, we're going to start on the right path. And we're going to do things your way. Yeah. Huh? Your way and your way alone. Mm-hmm. So Nehemiah was being given a little trouble by these guys. They wanted to stop the work and stop. See, the devil don't want you to worship God. If you decide you're going to do something for God, all hell will break loose against you. Everybody and their cousin will want to have something to say about it. They'll come by and discourage you from doing it. That's why it's good when you do something for God, you don't tell anybody. Just you and God. I'm serious. What you plan, you need to make sure it's prayed through. I remember years ago, Pat Robertson always seemed to be the kindest, gentlest person. You know, and he is. He's a healer. You know, that's, that's his 
nature. He's a compassionate person. Reaches out to the poor. He could care less how much money you got. Unless you're giving it into a work that he's invested in. He'd care less. And then after it's given, bless you. God will take care of you and move on. He's not impressed by anybody's stature. Any kind of way. And I remember him making a statement. This was when I was a young Christian. And I heard him say that he said, when I, when I go to do things for God, he said, I, I, I pray. He said, and I wait for God's guidance. He said, but I surround myself with people who are spiritual and encouraging. He said, those negative, he said, I don't allow them around me. And he said, it's so mean. And I thought to myself, my goodness. And it was like the devil knew you know what I'm saying? He was giving him a, a he was giving the devil a warning. Yes. Don't bring nobody. If it's somebody that's coming up to me in five minutes, you better get them out of my face because I don't want them around me. Yes. So you surround yourself with help, spiritual help. People who know how to give you the word. If they don't know the word, they know how to shut up and don't say nothing. You got me? But if you're going to do something for God and it's going to be something that's going to make a, an impact. In the kingdom, then you keep that between yourself and God. And he had done this. He said, I went, we went through the, the cities and I'd tell anybody what we were up to. See, a couple of people that were with him, he told. And so the, the, the messengers then come and they, they want to try and discourage him. And in, in Nehemiah 6 verse 9, he says, for they were, they all made us afraid, saying this. Their hands shall be weakened from the work and it won't be done. Who do you think you are? Preaching for God. Look at you. You don't know three scriptures. You're the newest person in the church. You can't make an impact on people. Who do you think you are? You're nothing and a nobody. You're not going to be able to complete nothing. You start on that, people are going to laugh at you. They're going to say, look at you get half of it done. You can't do the rest. You start doing things in that building and, and you won't be able to get it finished or you have to do uh, cut rate goods or something like people are going to look at that and laugh at you. And so he says here in verse 9, he says, now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. When the devil tells you you can't do something, you say, God, strengthen me so I can show you, show me, show the devil, show everybody that I can do it. Strengthen my hands. You don't accept weakness. You don't confess weakness. You don't embrace weakness. I don't care how it's manifesting in your life. You know, I can remember <clears throat> trying to help people. And my mind was always trying to figure out what, what was the right way to, <clears throat> to tell people things. And, and God said, well, just share testimony with people. You know, you, did, you ain't Ann Landers. You know, well, dating myself. But you know, y'all know who she is. You know, this ain't no advice column. You just... You know, you share testimony if you can. If you don't know testimony, you know, I'll give them the word and, and I'll help you, you know, to help people. And, and, and so I, I would, would always try and, and endeavor to share in a way where people could grab it and make it their own. And so there was a person that was saying to me that, that they smoked and they didn't want to smoke anymore. You know, of course, it's bad for your health. But then you're in a church with people and you're the only one lighting up. You know, you feel like that. And sometimes you are, you know, if nobody else is smoking. 
And so God told me, I said, well, God, I want to help this person. I said, I know if I can get them to confess the word, even in the midst of their smoking, I said, I know that smoking will leave. Now, this is something you all need to understand. Your first weapon against anything that, that comes against you or binds you or holds you down is your own words. Is your own words. Your own words. Your own words about that and your own thoughts about that are what's defeating you. I love sweets. If you pack them on and you're overweight, you're defeated by your own words. You need to shut up saying that. Now don't be a closet. Don't have Twinkies all in the bottom drawer and think you're really fooling. You ain't fooling God. But your first line of attack against anything that's overpowering you that you need to conquer. I mean, this is, you know, no matter how large or small, is your own confession. Why? The Bible says Jesus is the high priest over your confession. Give him the right thing to minister over and he'll minister it to you in a way that you could possess it. He'll cause you to possess it. Hmm? There's somebody you, you like that's not saved. People do this all the time. Y'all acting like I'm stupid here. I don't even get it. You look at them, they look at you. Hmm? They catch you in the gates of hell mood. Huh? They're not saved. I just like their company. Hmm? See, you've defeated yourself by your own confession. You don't ever confess that you like something that's forbidden to you. You know, people hear you preach like this and say, you mean I could have gotten rid of that just like, yes, just like that. Because you've got a holy high priest over your confession. You've got somebody who's strong in the realm of the spirit and can attack these things and chase them away from you so you don't get involved in the concourse at the gates. Because once you say you like something, the devil will bring you more thoughts and more pictures and more... Yes. Temptation. Yes. That's why you can't get rid of it. You keep confessing the wrong thing about it. So this person was smoking a saint, praying in tongues, ready to heal anybody at the drop of a hat, and smoking. Huh? I told this person, I said, you know what you're going to do? I said, when you light up your cigarette... Oh, you told her she could smoke. I didn't tell her nothing. The Chanix people tell you can smoke. Amen. That's why a lot of people go buy that stuff. I'm trying to tell her how to put her Chanix money in the offering so she can get something back for it and do the same thing they're doing. Because I knew she was going to light up the minute she got out of church because I could see that devil. I had it myself for years, you know. When is this going to be over? 
right. reaching for the purse, the pockets, you know, getting the, right. the matches and the lighter, whatever. I said, well, when you light up your cigarette to smoke, what you're going to do is this. Thank you, Jesus, that I do not smoke. Amen. Jesus, I thank you. I'm delivered. Oh, Pastor Barb, I should say that. You better do something or you're going to still be smoking this time next week when you come up in here. You start with your confession. If you could start with your quitting, you'd be quit already. So we got to start you where faith always starts, and that's with your confession. That's how you got healed. That's how you got saved. That's how you got your bills paid. That's how you got everything you got from God is through your confession. Well, God don't like it if I smoke. I said, to be honest with you, God loves you. Smoke or not, he loves you. Smoking isn't good for you, and he wants to deliver you. But for right now, you start there. Start with your confession. Well, okay. You know, sometimes your instruction has to confuse the smoking religious devil in people in order for stuff to work for you. So I could tell by the look on their countenance that the smoking religious devil was confused <laughs> you know the one that can stay in church for only an hour and a half and then has to run that one because he run out and get a smoke and condemn you and beat you up I shouldn't you shouldn't do this I feel so bad you know that's the first thing people tell you I feel so bad well I'm gonna give you something that's really gonna perk you up when I tell you how to get rid of that devil you got huh? you're gonna confess him out of your life amen Month later, I talked to the person. I said, well, how's it going? You know what? I just forgot about smoking. I said, how long did it take? I don't know. It's been a while now. Less than 30 days. The demon's gone just from your confession. Why? Because the blood-bought church, the gates of hell, will not prevail against the church that uses her keys. If you don't ever take them out and use them, there will be nothing effective against the devil. So, so the devil wants you to not be able to work for God. He wants to disable you or disarm you, get you discouraged, get you in a rut about something minor that if you just change your confession about it, that thing would leave you. Let Jesus minister over your confession. Huh? And people go to dope houses. I shouldn't be here. I prayed before I got here and I'm here anyway. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't change that. Keep praying. Don't get condemned. Confess it. Tell God you hate it. But just keep praying. Keep confessing. Keep thanking God for delivering you. And he says in verse, verse he said, oh God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deiah, of him, who was shut up. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple. For they will come to slay you. Yea, in the night will they come to slay you. Anybody ever got threatened by the devil? I mean, a real threat that you thought he would kill you? Anybody had sickness or pain so bad they thought they would die? 
that's to stop you from doing anything for God. If you're blood bought, that's what they're after. To stop you from doing anything for God. And I said, should such a man as I flee? Who is it there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? He said, I won't go in. And that's what you got to be. Discomfort. Lack of whatever it is, the necessities of life. You're not going to cave in because life is not comfortable for you in serving God. You don't give in. He says, go in here and take care and protect yourself. He said, I'm not going in there. He said, I'm a leader over these people. Should I go in there to preserve my own life? I'm not doing it. He said, and lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin. And that they might have matter for an evil report that they might reproach me. When you're working for God, the devil has false prophecies against you. They're never going to do this. God's never going to. You're not going to live long enough to get healed. God's not going to heal you. You sitting up there looking at those scripture cards and confess. You think that's going to heal you? Nobody ever got healed from that. And so what he'll do is try to make you back up and retire from what. Because there's a false prophecy out there against all of us. A false one. They'll never do it. They'll never make it. They'll never get rid of doing that. They'll never be holy enough to do what God wants them to do. Every time they get ready to do something, they'll get up and make a mistake, and then they got to sit back down again. Yes. Huh? I'm telling you, God doesn't have any sitters, and he doesn't have any quitters. He's only got victors. Amen? If the devil gets your foot in a snare, you take it right out from around your ankle and you confess the blood of Jesus and say, God, I'm not going to be ensnared and trapped by the devil. I am not going to quit, and I'm not going to back down. Huh? I might not be the most perfect people out here preaching the gospel, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I might not have a bunch of people that are following me telling me how wonderful my preaching is, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I've been given a mission from God, and I'm going to share the gospel, and I'm going to share the goodness of God with anybody who wants to hear it. And I'll bring people to church. I'll do whatever God tells me to do. I'll bring them in in droves. I'll bring them in in, in vans and buses. Whatever I have to do. But I am not going to back down from the work. Because I will not live under the false prophecy of the devil. God has called me a victor. He's called me a saint. He's called me a minister of the Most High God. I'm a flame of fire. God makes his ministers a flame of fire. I'm not weak. I'm strong in the Lord. God's strengthen my hand to do the work and do more work so help me God and God will come for us he'll rescue us and help us but I'm telling you most of the mental anguish and stupidity and condemnation that we get is not of our own making and it's not coming from God either he doesn't condemn you even if you're guilty he convicts you and pushes you to confess you know what that means that means you're sitting across from the detective and he tells you, tell me about today. <laughs> That's all it is. Is God's asking how your day was. And you tell him about your day, the good and the bad. And you tell him you need your help, his help for the bad. And strengthen your hand to do more good. But you don't bow to the false prophecy against you. 
queen of heaven tells you, you you're nothing and nobody you can't minister to those people they'll never listen to you who you think you are I used to get it from the devil all the time God showed me a church of all nations all colors of people huh oh you know well black people go to white people's church but white people never come to hear black people preach I said, well, I'm not preaching to colors. I'm preaching to people, to souls, the spirits, whoever wants to can come. If they don't want to come, they don't have to come. But God, you bring whomever, I'll treat them all the same. You got me? The same. We work with whomever God sends. There's nobody important and nobody unimportant. Everybody's important here. Everybody. Because you're important to God. Why? Because I'm not going to bow to the false prophecy of the queen of heaven. That says women ministers. Well, you know, they don't want to listen to women ministers. And who's your covering? And who are you under? My husband when he was alive. But that's a whole different story. (laughs) He got it. Praise the Lord. Somebody else got it. They just scared you. Huh? But you don't listen to that nonsense. And you don't help it become a reality. Because that's the only way it's, it's going to become a reality is you got to make it happen for the devil. He can't force it on you. He can't make you disobey God. He can't make you do anything. But he's got to use your faith and your discouragement and your anger and your self-pity and your upset to make it happen. And if you can stay off of his territory. And stay out of his concourse. His discussion. His whisperings about you. His buzz at the gate. The report about the judgment against us. You know you can confess something and repent. And then somebody will come up and accuse you of it. Huh? Huh? To try and remind you of something that God's already forgiven you for. And so you have to understand that there, this is a, a strong opposition to God's work. It's a strong opposition to God's people. That's why the Bible tells you if you walk in the spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's certain things your flesh is always going to want to do. If you walk in the spirit you won't do those. But if you slip over into the flesh then what you do? You confess. And you don't listen to the condemnation of the devil. You don't let him condemn you and tell you why you do certain things. And you can't do anything right. And you'll never be this. And you look at you and all that finger pointing. You don't sit and listen to that. And that's not something you make up of your own. You understand me? And it's not something that helps you to live holier. Because you let somebody beat you up. God's never used the devil to to discipline his children. One thing, he wants to cause you to escape from the hands of the enemy. The devil's always your enemy. God doesn't use him to help his ministry. And so you have to understand what you're up against, church. But we are more than able to meet and overcome the devices of hell because of what the blood has done for us. Isaiah 53 says that God saw the travail of the soul of Jesus and was satisfied. God's satisfied 
that Jesus paid enough, took enough punishment for you. So any of these punishing conversations, any of these punishing thoughts, any of these punishing ideas that come to you, that tell you what you can't do. God's not a disabler. He's an enabler. He empowers us. He says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you've got to know how that happens. You've got to know how to do that in all things. There are things you haven't conquered yet. That, that defeat you or that challenge you. You can still overcome them because you can do all things. You just have to step in that arena where that's going on. But God has ordained that we would be victors and more than victors through Christ Jesus. The concords at the concourse at the gates will defeat us if that's all we ever listen to. You've got to know when that goes on, you've got to get right with God somewhere. You've got to stop those voices or you've got to go to God in repentance. And God said, God, I don't know how I got my mind into this mess, but I definitely want out of it. And please forgive me if I've done anything that's caused this to come upon me. I want out of this self-pity. I want out of this nonsense. Free me from anger. Help me not have to have such a quick temper with people. Help me to get over this so I don't have to undergo the mental torment that the devil's putting on me. You can get out of that. Jesus has paid for all of that trouble in our souls. Everything that troubles your mind causes your mind not to be peaceful. He's paid for all of that. Isaiah 54:17. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. The gates of hell is a, is a weapon. That's all it is. It's a weapon. Those mental uh, discussions that go on that we tap into. They are weapons that will defeat us if we don't defeat them. The shed blood of Jesus is the atonement. It pays for all the devices of hell to stop against us. They must stop. I don't care what it is that's bugging your soul. Jesus' soul labored and paid for that. There was a laboring in his soul that paid that your soul doesn't have to labor over these thoughts. Now what does the Bible say? How do we deal with them? He says you cast them down. You cast down these arguments. That's all they are is arguments. Back and forth. Back and forth. Back and forth. Well I said it. No I didn't. Don't argue with the devil. You don't have to defend yourself against him. He's just going to accuse you all the more. Huh? You can be forgiven. Forgiven's a lot better than innocent. Innocence only happens one time. Forgiven can go on and on forever and ever and ever. I'd much rather be forgiven. You got me? Once you've been fingerprinted, you, you, you know, you've got a record. Huh? But that doesn't mean you're guilty of everything. Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean you have to take crap off the devil because he wants to see you. He gets you in a weak place and, and wants to just rub your face in the mud about it. You have to take that stuff from him. But you can rise up in your authority. You can rise up in power. You can rise up with the right words on your lips. You can begin to speak your own deliverance if you will speak against these things. The devil tells you you can't do this. You know, when I first started, I was just getting healed from a nervous breakdown. 
I was nervous about everything. I, I thought to myself, I said, well, <laughs> I used to call and say some people had state hospital hair. It was a joke. It was a bad nurse's joke. But then I was the patient, you know, when you could say that. And I was looking one day. I said, I wonder if I have state hospital hair. You know, you send them to the hairdresser. It wouldn't lay down. And then you tease it. It wouldn't stand up either. Too many shock treatments. It's just it's a bad joke. It's not. But, you know, you just feel like there's something on you where people know. You know, you just feel like that. It's just... And and so God had to show me that it was more me than them. Yeah? It was more me than them. Something that I carried that he said, and if you will let me, he said, I will pull these things off of you so that you'll feel like you belong. Finally. And so I remember being being at a church and I had been praying about it and I kept feeling, you know, just... Square peg, round hole, you know, that kind of stuff. And I remember going up for an altar call. I, I think Sandy Brown was preaching that time. It was her first round of preaching, and she's a good preacher. And, um, you know, before she got sick and all the things that happened to her since then. But I went up for prayer, and, and she didn't pray for anybody. She had us be prayed for us because too many people for her to pray for and I was explaining to this lady, and she kept looking at And I knew the lady. We were in a Bible study together. But she was very professional about it. She was one of their counselors at the church. And she looked at me. She said, Barb. She said, you know, God's made you accepted in the beloved. Amen. And I said, really? I said, you know, I've read that. But it was different when somebody told you. You got me? You can read it and not receive it. It will bounce right off of you. But when somebody really gets your attention and tells you, and I went home and I thought about that all night long. I said, I've accepted it. And I began to look, you know, teachers, they look up everything. They look up the period, the comma. And I got satisfied that everything that was done for me was all that needed to be done. And if I was going to let a feeling keep me from obeying God, it would be my fault that I didn't obey God. And I began to take responsibility for how I felt and the way I looked at things. And from that day forward, I, I didn't have a quarrel with people anymore. You know, nobody was holding me back. Nobody was standing in my way. Nobody was doing anything. It was my responsibility to take care of what I needed to take care of so that when God began to move me and to use me and to do things, I had confidence with God that I could do these things. See, it's every one of our responsibility to take care of our own souls. Nobody can do that for you. I can come in and tell Ava's wonderful things about herself, but if she doesn't tell herself, she's never going to be convinced. You got me? It's what you tell yourself through your own thoughts that makes all the difference in the world. And I'm telling you, the gates of hell are there to help you tell yourself some rotten stuff, folks. To hold you back. Look at all the great preachers that have fallen. This is why. This is why. They'll go home and they'll think, well, you, you know, it's just a bad thought. Shake it off. Keep going. And then pretty soon it gets to be a big overwhelming conversation where the devil steered you into a place where it almost looks like the worst is true about you. You got me? And so if we don't take care of these things, folks, we're not going to be happy Christians and we're not going to be productive Christians either. But I'm telling you, if you deal with it on the level of your soul, and understand where that conversation's coming from. 
Once you nail the author of that conversation, you pretty much got most of your problems solved. God's not going to tell you. He's not going to flatter you, and he's not going to put you down either. He's going to have you live in the image of his son. He's not going to try to pump you up, and he's not going to put you down either. But he's going to let you work and renew your own mind and get your own identity straight about who you are and then move out in that when you're confident. But he is not going to have a church that walks around guilty, stupid, immovable, goofy, don't want to work for God, just want to waste their time and do nothing for God. He's not going to have a church like that. I'm telling you, he's coming for this nonsense. And he's coming to help the bride understand that she can be in her right mindset. You can be in a healthy mindset and have confidence in the love of God and have confidence in your abilities to help humanity and to do what God has put you here to do. Have the confidence to, to, to be gifted if God puts a gift on you. To move out in that without fear and, and to focus on what God wants you to focus on instead of stupidity. You know, everybody wants to be wonderful. You know? <laughs> it, it just it, it's that's not important what's important is you obey God what's important you have a healthy perspective identity within yourself you know who you are every day and you live it out that you're a prosperous person that you're a confident person that you're not afraid to go to God for what you need you're not listening to this nonsense that tells you don't do this and that you man, you don't listen to that. God's not a no-sayer. He's a yes-sayer. He says yes to everything that's good for us. Yeah. And everything that's helpful and holy to us. You have to make up your mind. You don't care about certain things. All you want to do is please God. And, and have a healthy mindset. Something that can cultivate health for other people in their minds. See, when other people are in trouble, who are they going to go to? Somebody's going to condemn them further? Because they're condemned all the time or somebody with a healthy mindset that can find a word from God for people so that we can all live and we can all be strong and healthy. Hardest thing for me at one time was was the the song of the Lord, prophetic song. And I would just push singers to get it and nobody could get it, you know. And I I said, well, God, if I really want to do this, I should take singing lessons or try. And then the conference would come and the song of the Lord would would have to come and have to come through me. So I said, God, we're going to fake it here. We're going to shake it here. We're going to do what we need to do. But we're going to get through this song and we all going to be happy and we're going to be blessed. And that's the end of it. I don't want to discuss it anymore. And then I would hear somebody, you know, some prophet. Ah, well, you know, these singing prophets, you know, I figured this way. If you can't sing, you don't have a singing voice, you shouldn't even. That's not your word. And God said, who are you going to listen to, him or me? And I said, I don't even know who he is. He said, I don't either. So who are you listening to, him or me? Got it? You got it? You obey. There's a lot of preachers who can't preach real good anyway, but they get up there and they help people. 
a lot of people who can preach up a, a storm and have no altar work skills whatsoever. The people jerk and cry and carry on, but they, everybody seems happy. I wish they get healed, but, you know, it ain't there yet. And so we're all works in progress, folks. They were all works in progress. But I tell you one thing. You defeat the devil right there. You defeat that nonsense right there. And you understand that those thoughts that are telling you you're no good, that's not you. And that's not God. And you need to stop listening to it. Those thoughts that tell you you're always going to be, you're always going to die. Well, you're always going to die. Always is a long time. It's an awful long time. But you have eternity to live in in holiness before God. You're always going to be a righteous person. You're always going to be a saint of God. You're always going to be beloved of God. You're always going to be cherished by God. Put that in the devil's pipe and let him smoke on it a little bit. Huh? Put that in his pipe and let him smoke on it. Father, we thank you for, for allowing us access. Access to your throne room of grace. Father, we thank you for grace and mercy that helps us in our time of need. And Lord, we do need you. We need you more than ever now. We thank you, Lord, that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. We defeat them at every turn. We know now who's responsible. We know now where the voices come from. We know why they come. And we know what the devil's trying to do. So we thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth, for blessing us to know these things. All of these things, Father. Give us full disclosure. Father, the things that we don't want to hear. Give us the grace to hear them. The things that we think we've got mastered. Show us not to rest in an easy place, but to be vigilant over our own souls. For surely the devil, like a roaring lion, is seeking whom he might devour. And you tell us to resist him steadfastly in the faith. We have the keys that will resist death and hell and the grave. We have keys to your kingdom, which is eternal life. And Father, we loose eternal life right now in Jesus' name. We loose the life of God to go before us and be our rear guard. We loose eternal life into every soul here. We loose eternal life into every spirit here. Into every life here. Into every future here. That we all have a good future. And a bright future. In you. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.